Welcome to Mazum Gumzo, African Scholarly Conversations, a podcast that highlights the perspectives of various stakeholders in academia and research fields across Africa through open dialogue on Mazum Gumzo on scholarly communication in Africa. Today's episode features an engaging session on research capacity support systems for PhD scholars in Africa by Titi Ajayi from doing a PhD in Africa, Andy Nobes from AutoAid, and Joy Wango from TCC Africa. We are live and uh, what we are going to do is that we are, we are going to take you through the webinar on how to support early career researchers and the various research capacity systems that are available. So we'll start with who we are. Um, um, my name is Joy Owango. I'm from the Training Center in Communication and we are based at the University of Nairobi uh, at the College of Biological and Physical Sciences. And what we do is that we support early career researchers through training in scholarly and science communication. With us are uh, two partners who support early career researchers. So we have Andy Nobbs from AuthorAid all the way from the UK. And we also have Titi Ajayi from Ghana. Who, who, who is the founder of doing a PhD in Africa. And both of them are going to take us through how they're supporting early career researchers. Going through the research process is so daunting and it's tiring and it's also lonely. So sometimes if, you're not, if you do not have a support system, there are these systems that we have on the ground that can help you. So taking you through the Zoom features, uh, we'll answer all the questions through the question and answer session. And if you haven't answered the, finished the survey, please fill it in and we'll be able to share this uh, so that we're able to support you. But beyond that, we are recording this web webinar and we'll share the recording with you. But most importantly, we're also streaming it live. For those who alerted us about, uh, about not being live on Facebook, thanks for letting us know. And that is why we are redoing this session. Are we, as I said, we train, support, and empower researchers through tra uh, through research capacity support programs that in guide them on research discovery processes, all the way to research dissemination. And this is been done. This is done through training, supporting, and empowering them. And over the the years, over the 15 years we've been in existence, we have supported researchers. Uh, over 4,000 researchers in over 30 African countries and in over 80 institutions. And uh, over uh, in the last two years, we've won a number of awards that have highlighted the capacity building initiatives we, we've been doing. So we recently won the Invest to Impact Award and also later won the, early this year, we won the African Excellence Awards in Higher Education. So these are the courses that we offer train uh, our researchers from research discovery. So that is the process of writing proposals and writing your thesis, how to, to, to use e-resources for research discovery, communicating to scientists and non-scientists, pro-communication and dissemination, resource mobilization and grants management. We just finished a training this week on that. Uh, data analysis and presentation and also scientific writing. The reason why we are taking you through this is because the whole early career research process is a lonely process. It's tiring and it's daunting. So not all of you have the opportunity to, to get support, to get support 
from uh, from 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 mentors or even have access to mentors or even have access to funding or even networks so that is why we we decided to share with you the various partners that exist who can support you in improving your research uh, your early career research process especially as you're going through your phd and to begin with you're going to start with andy nobs from inasp and they've been in existence for over 10 years and they've been supporting early career researchers in identifying mentors, connecting them to various networks, guiding them on how they can also improve their research output through training. And uh, even before we say tra we say training online, or most of these, or most of most organizations say training online, um, Author Aid were already offering some of these courses online, especially similar to what we are offering. So I'd like to take over to Andy, who can take us through this process of what um, Author Aid is who they are and they've been supporting uh, the regions they've been supporting early career researchers and what support systems that do they that the, so that they can also share with us the, the various support systems that they have that they use to to help early career researchers over to you andy okay thank you very much um i just need to share my screen okay Okay, can you see the presentation? Yes, we can. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much for the introduction, Joy. And it's um, great to be here with both TCC and doing a PhD in Africa. Um, and thanks for introducing us. I work, my name is Andy Nobes. I work for a project called AuthorAid, and we are part of an organization based in Oxford in the UK called INASP. Um, we are supported, we are funded by um, CEDA, which is the Swedish International Development Agency. And the AuthorAid project itself has been going for about 11 years. Um, our objective is to support early career researchers to publish research and to communicate their research. So the organization that, um, that AuthorAid is a part of, as I said, is called INASP. And um, I'll just very briefly talk about what our organisation do. So our, our work is aim, aiming at strengthening the capacity of individuals, institutions to produce, share and use knowledge, use research knowledge. And um, so we support individuals and institutions in Africa, Asia and Latin America in higher education, in evidence informed policy, in gender equity and journal publishing. And you can find out information about all the different things we do on um, our website www.inasp.info and um, our recent strategy is all about unleashing the talents of, of researchers all over the world so the, the main thing is that we believe that researchers in africa asian and latin america are extremely talented and have better ideas on how to solve their development challenges than anybody else and so we need to find ways to unleash this talent so um about what problems AuthorAid is trying to address. We're just one of many um, actors in this ecosystem of, su of support um, who can help in the area of, of supporting young scholars. There are lots of other great initiatives out there, such as um, those that we have here, Writing a PhD in Africa, TCC, um, others such as African Academy of Sciences, Mawazo Institute. So lo lots of people who are trying to help in these areas, but. Um, we focused on some particular types of support and um, 
we hear that many early career researchers in particular haven't received training in research communication that they really want and they really need to make the impact that they um they really want to make so um this is based on a poll that we did a number of years ago um of the researchers in our network and these are the top answers what is your biggest challenge in doing and communicating your research and we found that these were things like uh, lack of research funding writing in the english language identifying genuine journals um, which are appropriate, uh, problems with peer review, such as delays and reviewer comments, things such as publication costs, finding mentors and um, academic writing style in English. And we can't solve all of these problems ourselves um, as an organisation. There are only certain things that we can really help with amongst all the other um, excellent organisations out there. So what we are trying, what we have tried to do is focus on particular areas of support. And we have been working particularly on online training. So for a number of years, we have been running online courses in research writing and proposal writing. We have an online mentoring platform. We have collaboration forums for, for networking. We've also been trying out some online journal clubs using WhatsApp. Um, We've done lots of work working with particular institutions to embed research writing skills within the institution, within the curriculum, and also working with those institutions to help with addressing gender inequities in higher education. Um, all of these um, initiatives are essentially free at the point of use for researchers. And we have a current membership of over 22,000 researchers from all over the world, from all over Africa, Asia and Latin America. Um, this is our website. Um, it has free resources, um, uh, blog posts, news. Um, one thing that we've um, been doing recently, we've been using the platform for people in our network to share their experiences in the current pandemic so people can um, uh, share what's happening with them, how they've overcome the challenges that they've got so that everyone knows that we're all in the same boat and experiencing these things together. And have been some particular challenges for early career researchers who, um, uh, who are in lockdown and can't travel. So we have a very small team here in Oxford um, and so we rely quite a lot on um, our larger network. Um, here's a, just a snapshot of some of the researchers in our network from all over the world. We've got people here from Nepal, Somalia, India and the Philippines all doing very different research through the sciences and social sciences. So as I say, we've got a very small team. In fact, I'm the only full-time member of staff on AuthorAid, and so we rely a lot on volunteers. And we're looking to build a community of practice who can learn and, and um, create and contribute together. So we've formed this group called the AuthorAid Stewards, which is a group of 10 people from all over the world with most experience of the AuthorAid platform who can help guide us and help um, with decision making with the, the direction of AuthorAid. We've also got quite a lot of online facilitators who have helped with our online courses over the years and helped the MOOCs tick along. Um, we have over 700 AuthorAid mentors, experienced mentors on our website who can help you with your career and with your work. And the community itself is over 22,000 members. Thank you. In terms of our online mentoring, um, this is one component of our website. And again, it's free for, free for mentors and mentees alike to join. And I'm hoping that there are gonna be some people here who want to sign up as both a mentee or perhaps even as a mentor 
and be involved in helping um, younger researchers. So this is, a, this is a picture that we were sent from one of our mentees who met their mentor as a at a conference, but they'd actually met online so, um, about a year earlier through the AuthorAid website, which kind of sparked things off. So um, some of the things about the AuthorAid mentoring system, we have a search facility so you can look for a mentor or a collaborator in your, in your field with the skills that you're looking for. There's also a certain aspect of automatic matching on the website. Communication can happen through private messaging, which is secure for people to communicate privately, or people can just use email um, and other means. Um, as I said, there are about 22,000 members. The different levels of support that mentors are offering from short-term skills, such as proofreading, helping with applications or submitting to a journal. And also there are mentors who offer much more long-term help with career advice, career mentoring, and finding funding. And of course, you can also find collaborators as well as mentors and mentees. This is um, a map which came from one of the online courses that we did. Um, I think this, this is one from a couple of years ago, but it shows the, the breadth of the participants that take our massive online open courses, MOOCs. So we do research writing and proposal writing courses um, for researchers to join from all over the world. It's, um, it's free to join. The courses are low bandwidth, so it's easy if you've got a, um, a weak internet connection to join. They're entry-level courses in research writing and proposal writing covering both the natural sciences and the social sciences. Um, we've run over 13 of these over the last five years and we've trained over 2,000, uh, sorry, 20,000 participants, mostly from um, lower middle income countries. The completion rate on average is about 50% and interestingly, the completion rate for women is slightly higher. So this is a picture from um, sent in from one of the participants of our online courses. This is her both in her laboratory and also doing the online course itself. I think she's from Uganda actually, I don't, know, don't recall her name. Um, just to, to run through quickly, some of the main um, issues that researchers on our course um, are looking for help with. These are things such as submitting your paper to a, to a journal and getting peer reviewer comments and dealing with those peer review comments, distinguishing between suspicious journals and trustworthy journals, writing the different sections of a research paper, arriving at a suitable research question and avoiding problems such as plagiarism. These are all things that we try to address in our online courses. And we've got an online course um, coming up in September, which you can find out more information for on our website, which is on research writing and proposal writing. We've also got a bank of free resources on our website under the section called resources. There's lots of um, content here on research writing, communication, on proposal writing. There are presentations which you can use to do your own training as well. And just to mention right at the end, we've got a bank of core resources that we've developed, which you can take and adapt yourself in your own institution for your own students, or just to read yourself and learn from. I've got what we call toolkits in research writing, in mentoring, trainer trainer, um, forming a writing club. We've also got toolkits in gender mainstreaming and also evidence-informed policymaking. So if you're free to go to our website, download these, and share and adapt them as you like. 
And so that's the end of my presentation. Um, so please keep in touch, but um, I gather there will be some further questions coming up later in the session. Okay, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy, for this. Um, um, uh, Titi, could you take us, could you prepare yourself and take us through the, what doing a PhD in Africa does to support early career researchers? And in the meantime, continue sending your questions, sending your questions, then we are able to help. Okay, I'm just sharing my screen. Let me know when you can see it, please. Yes, we can see it. But we can't see your presentation. It's coming in two seconds. Super, we can see it. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so it's uh, still morning here in Accra in Ghana. So good morning, everyone. Warm Pan-African greetings to you all. Uh, in Swahili, Jambo, Karibu Sana. Thank you to the TCC for inviting us to be part of this important initiative. Uh, it's exciting to be here with author aid as well. And I have been a beneficiary of their research writing course, which I highly recommend. Uh, so in addition to being the founder and co-coordinator of doing a PhD in Africa, I'm also in the final year of my PhD at the University of Ghana. So the things that I speak about are partly from experience. I'll be speaking generally about what we do as PhD, uh, doing a PhD in Africa, but if you have any specific, uh, more general questions, I'll be happy to engage them during the discussions. So we are a niche resource for doctoral study with a focus on Africa. We've been running for a little over three years since early 2017. We are a dispersed organization in that we don't operate from a fixed physical location, but we are based mainly online. So we have coordinators who are from different countries across Africa and who are also based in different countries from across Africa. So we have Nigeria, Ghana, uh, Kenya, South Africa. Uh, those are the main countries represented at the moment. We have North Africa as well. We have Morocco, we have Algeria and Cameroon. So at the moment we have about 3,000, almost 3,000 members. Um, and these are scholars who are mainly African and they are all at different stages of their careers. And they are also dispersed across Africa and the diaspora as well. So I've just included some shots from our website, which you can access at doingaphdinafrica.org. And I've included the contact information at the end of the presentation. So if you don't catch it now, please don't worry. I will say that this website is work in progress. So please bear with us. It should be fully functional by the end of this year, but it does capture the essence of our main programming at the moment, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. That's another shot from the page. So I'll just quickly talk about our guiding principles and this is important because we get a lot of requests about things that are not within our interest area. Our focus is on Africa. So the first principle is that as much as possible we try to keep our focus on Africa. If you look at our social media posts, 99.9% .9 of what we share has some connection to Africa. 
So typically the kinds of opportunities that we will put online uh, are those that require some Africa experience or knowledge or both. And this is a deliberate effort on our part to fill a gap that we see in access to this kind of knowledge. The second principle talks about giving back and paying forward. And Andy mentioned, uh, for example, gender inequities in access to higher education in Africa. There are lots of other ones as well. So for example, the country that you're based in, you'll find a number of high profile scholarship programs target specific countries. And although they try to cover the main regions of Africa, there are quite a few countries and regions that are left out. There's also social uh, economic status and people not being able to raise the funds to access quality doctoral education in Africa. So our aim is to try to level these inequities by encouraging our members who have the privilege of access to good quality education to reach out and to help others with their knowledge and their experiences. I should say that at the moment, doing a PhD in Africa is managed entirely by volunteers. And for all of us, being involved in this is our own way of giving back to our various communities and to our peers. And the point about diversity is, first of all, that we are a Pan-African community, although very open to engagement with people from other contexts and spaces. We have, like I said already, representation from across the continent and the diaspora. We also have a strong focus on women's education and we don't discriminate in who we engage with. So now, uh, I mean, Andy already laid out some of the challenges that uh, scholars face in, in higher education in Africa. I will just add a few things. And these are drawn from an open survey that we've been running since 2017. So he mentioned the question of resourcing. That comes up a lot. That's a major challenge. Whether you're talking about funding for research or funding for school, or access to publications, or even you know the equipment that students need to, to excel in their PhD studies. Having a community of peers where they can go and get advice or share concerns or help other people is also a big issue. The question of moral support comes up quite a lot. We also have people who have faced serious challenges with the quality of supervision that they're getting for their PhD work. Uh, usually this is supervisors who are bullying or, you know, who are inflicting some kind of abuse. Um, so varying levels and, and types of toxicity in that relationship. And also the last point I will make is about mental health and stress. If you are doing or have done a PhD, you know how stressful it can be. And a lot of scholars come to us um, talking about the kind of pressures that they face and, and not knowing how to handle it. So uh, I'll go on and talk about our, our programming now. Uh, so under access to knowledge and education, we have, to the best of our knowledge at the moment, the only comprehensive database of PhD programs available at African universities. And you can get this on our website, which under the resources page, you'll see the African PhD database. And and it is searchable by country, by university, and by discipline or topic. And I urge you, if you go there and you can't find your university or a particular program, please send us an email and we will add it immediately. 
also on our social media on a daily basis, we share lots of information on a wide range of topics, study opportunities, fellowships, funding, and much more. Often we will also share information on topical events at African universities. For example, the Cameroonian lecturer who was dismissed for setting an exam question that the government thought was controversial. Also on access to knowledge, we have what we call our PhD Life Stories series. And you'll see in the next slide some of what we've done so far under that. And this is basically where we get recent PhDs to tell their stories, share their experiences as a way of helping others who are coming up to navigate uh, and to graduate successfully. And very soon, within the next few weeks, we'll be outing two new publications that will feature knowledge that is exclusively by African scholars. So please look out for that. Under networking, again, we do a lot of this through our social media. We hold bi-monthly peer support forums and these are spaces where scholars can come and share knowledge or share experiences or challenges. And we all work together constructively to support one another and to give advice. And through this process, a number of people have discovered that they have common interests with other people and have gone on to do collaborative work. We also encourage our members to volunteer to moderate these sessions. And this is something that we view as a form of capacity building uh, for a skill which is essential to scholarship, which is being able to moderate a session, manage how people speak and the questions that they ask um, and all of that. Uh, we'll just add that before COVID hit us, we did have physical meetings as well. The last one was during the meeting of the African Studies Association of Africa which held at the United States International University in November of last year. On personal development, in addition to what I said already, we are currently building a database of African scholars. Uh, and we would urge you, if you're interested, to please send us an email if you would like to join. And the idea behind this is to have a database of African PhDs, but African scholars generally, to make it easier for prospective employers who are looking for a particular profile to access that through our website. Also, we organize once a month special sessions by senior professionals who are experts in their fields to speak on issues that are suggested by our members. And you can get all of this information and the events and blog section of our website. Just to give you some examples of recent sessions we've had, we had a session on do's and don'ts for uh, passing a successful viva. We had a session on non-academic careers, so for scholars who have PhDs but don't want to go into academia either full-time or part-time. And so we had somebody who had made the transition come and talk to us um, about things to consider if you're making that decision. And the last session we had, which was about two weeks ago, was about publishing around your PhD. This was facilitated by Dr. Carly Coetzees, who some of you may know, she's South African, and she's the editor of the Journal of African Cultural Studies. And she facilitated a session, uh, basically addressing the technical issues around publishing, using the material that you, you gather for your PhD thesis. And this was very successful. That video has, as at today, been watched 3,500 times. 
Now, in terms of substantive support, we are working towards being able to offer small grants to African scholars. We will be announcing uh, information about that soon, so please keep watching our social media and our website. For now, the support that we offer is of a more moral and practical nature. So, for example, we have a, a number of um, scholars who come to us uh, with a range of problems. One of them, just to give an example, was a scholar who was having a problem with their supervisor. This was a much older supervisor. Um, I think there was also a racial dynamic in that this older supervisor had a particular uh, vision about how the research should go and didn't support what the student was trying to do and had basically decided to sit on their thesis. So this person came to us and said, would you please anonymously post this for me i'm at a loss i don't know what to do I'm, I'm at my wits end and we did that and the feedback was overwhelming and we made sure that this person got the feedback as a team we also talked about it and we sent out feedback as well and we check on them once in a while just to make sure that everything is okay and they've expressed their appreciation that they feel that they have now a community that they can turn to you know for support and for encouragement and we have a, a number of, of such examples and the last point is about advocacy. We are positioning ourselves to become a voice for African doctoral scholars pushing for progressive policies. So for example, we're about to publish a commentary on Cameroon by a Cameroonian scholar about the Cameroonian lecturer who was dismissed, but more broadly about the situation of tertiary education and particularly doctoral education in Cameroon. And he makes some recommendations about how this can be addressed at a policy level. Uh, we're also currently supporting the resistance in Ghana to the public universities bill, which the government uh, is aiming to use basically to stifle, you know, freedom of all the freedoms that you would associate with, with successful scholarship. And also we took part in, in a conversation last year about how to address sexual harassment and violence at African universities. So these are some of the advocacy activities that we've done. As I mentioned, you can see on the screen a selection of our recent PhD life stories. If you're interested and you have a recent, you've recently graduated uh, with a PhD, please get in touch with us. We would love to talk to you. And yes, so I will stop there. This is the contact information that I mentioned. So you can reach us by email. You can. That's info at doing a PhD in .org. You can reach us via our website, which is doing a PhD in .org. We're also on Twitter as at PhD in Africa. We're on Facebook as a public page and as a private group. Now, if you're looking to join the private group, please be sure to answer all the membership questions. I can't tell you how many requests we have to turn down because people either don't answer any of the questions or they answer one. The reason we have the private group is to create a safe space where scholars can come and air their issues and know that as much as possible, we protect their information. So please help us to help you. I'll stop there and I look forward to the questions. Asante Sana. Thank you so much, Titi. And thank you so much, Andy. The questions are coming in. Also, we are truly now live on Facebook. We managed to correct it. So all of you can also access us on our Facebook page. So. The first question, I think it, it will go to all of us. That is, uh, Titi, please, Titi, please uh, switch up. Uh, yes, thank you.
The first question I think which will be relevant to all of us is from Obina from Nigeria. And he said, and this is, I think is one of the reasons why programs like ours have existed, that there is no pro provision for scholarly writing skill acquisition embedded in postgraduate studies. And most uh, PhD students are expected to become experts without any formal training. So what exists? So Obina, I'll start with what we do as TCC. As a center, we, we train scientists on how to write also um, academic papers. So, and this is, a, it's at a multidisciplinary level. So whether it's at social science, arts and humanities, biological or life sciences. So we offer such training. So we are very cognizant of the fact that there are very few universities in the continent that have embedded such kind of trainings within their, their university programs. So we offer these courses as short programs and that is why we are in partnership with the University of Nairobi to offer the course. Even though we're in Nairobi, we offer these workshops online. So Andy, Andy, you can continue because I believe you also offer similar courses. Uh, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, this is one of the um, issues that we, we experience also. Um, and in our, in the, we do a research writing course, which does co cover some of these themes. So it covers things on how to write without plagiarism and other research ethics issues but yes it, it is a major problem unfortunately so so there's another question from uh, from tanzania and the question is i have i've written a research paper will you help me get my work published one of the activities we do as a center is guide researchers on the process of academic publishing and with some of our partners including uh Africa's only preprint repository service, Africa Archive, we are able to guide you in this whole process on how you can start from the submission to the acceptance, but it means that you have to have written your paper first. So yes, this is why we are doing this, this webinar, to let you know that there are support systems that can help you also with this as well. Now, um, there's also a question, Titi, and this I think will go to you, and this was in regards to funding. Um, this researcher mentioned that uh, access to funding is such a challenge. Could you take them through the kind of networks you're, you're able to support them in accessing maybe funding information and also take us through more about your program? And then after that, there's a question for Andy in regards to um, identifying mentors. So if you could take us through um, what, how, uh, Author aid can support researchers in identifying uh, mentors. That would be very helpful. So let's start with Titi, then we go to Andy. Okay, thank you for the question. The part about um, talking about more about the program. If the questioner could please provide some clarity. The the question was on, on, on whether you, as funding. a network, as a network, you're able to mm -hmm. connect them to funding opportunities related to various research programs. That is number one. And, uh, and tell us more about this funding uh, program that you're going to provide for researchers, because you mentioned it in your presentation. All right, okay, all right. So thank you for the question. Uh, I'm not able to say much more about our funding program at the moment until things are finalized. So please bear with us. I would ask you to please follow our social media so that you can see, um, or send us an email so that we add you to our mailing list and then you'll know when that information is ready on whether we can connect you to funding organizations. We had a session, I forgot to mention that, about six weeks ago that focused on access to funding. 
and we have that on our website. Um, we have the presentation on our website and we are putting up a blog in a few days about that. And this covered a whole range of what access to funding in different disciplines, access to funding for a study, for research, and the different ways in which you can raise um, finances to, to do both your thesis and other research. And um, we individually, as members of this group, have diverse experiences with uh, fundraising for research and so this is one of the issues that we discuss in our peer support forum so I would urge you to join one of those we don't connect in the sense of putting you in touch with the funder but we can provide you with information that is targeted at Africa and Africans that can facilitate your access to that kind of funding thank you Titi uh, Andy could you take us through the the mentorship programs that you have? Yes, yes I can. So um, we, we have an online mentoring system on the AuthorAid website. When you sign up for, when you sign up to be a member, you can um, then look for a mentor on the website. There's a search facility, you can look for mentors in your discipline, uh, offering particular skills, and that's, that's all for for free for you to be able to do that. We have over 700 mentors on the website. So this is one of many um, mentoring schemes that are available online. Um, people such as um, African Academy of Sciences also have a mentoring scheme. Um, on, our, on our website, you have to actually find the mentor yourself and, and approach them. Um, now, one, one tip I'd, I'd, I'd give on that, when you're um, approaching a mentor, be very clear on your aims and your expectations and your objectives. And don't be afraid to be very clear on what you are looking for, because many mentors find it very frustrating when people aren't very clear and um, are very vague and just say things like, can you mentor me, please? So the opportunities are out there. You just have to know and be bold in answering the right questions of your potential mentor. Joy, can I quickly add something, please? Yes, please. Okay, just to say that we also have a peer mentoring program and uh, the idea behind that is that you don't necessarily have to look for somebody who is, you know, senior to you. We are resources in our own right. And so we pair people who maybe, uh, people who are you know, at different stages of their scholarship. And it's just the idea is that you have somebody who's like a partner who you can talk to, who you can ask questions, and it's a mutually beneficial relationship. So we do have that as well. Okay. All right, so there's a question for you, Andy. Can AuthorAid Connect uh, give some services to institutions other than postgraduate students? So are you working with academic institutions directly other than early career researchers? Um, well, um, we, we provide all our resources and training for, for individual researchers to join the course and to use the resources and then they can use those resources in their own institution if they want so it's really for anybody to to use our materials and resources as they see see fit whether they be senior researchers early career researchers undergraduates graduates so please please feel free to to adapt and use the content that's on our website okay so mohammed from somalia said that he's having issues publishing his articles. Uh, is there a chance for such a course? Yeah, so Mohammed, 
uh, that's where uh, Author Aid and TCC Africa come in because they offer such courses. We offer such courses on how, not only on how to write academic papers, but also to support you on publishing. The same with Janet Muthimi. There was a question on support on data analysis and academic writing. Yes, both uh, TCC Africa and Author Aid are able to offer such kind of training to support researchers on how to improve your research output and also how to write your your academic paper now uh andy and titi this is a question from madagascar could you they want to know if you could share with them um what partners you work with in academic publishing so that they can uh, it can they can guide them on maybe the on where they can find suitable places to publish their journals do you work with any of these partners so would you like to start andy um, yes, and I think this is um, kind of related to another question that I saw, which is, do, do we help people publish on high impact journals or in any journal? Um, so, I mean, we're, we, we're, we're friendly with academic publishers, but we don't partner with any specific academic publishers or with any journals. So we've always felt that um, it's important for researchers and early career researchers to publish in journals which are most appropriate for their research which will reach the audience that that research needs to reach. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you, ha you have to always publish in high impact, high impact factor international journals. Um, it's all about, for us in our training, we talk about um, finding the right journal for your research and do doing your own background research on what, what the most appropriate outlet is for your, for your, for your research paper. Okay. Um, there's a question on mental, well, uh, on on mental health, and I think Sorry. yes, yes, Titi. Sorry, I wanted to say something on that okay. question. Okay, as well. no, go ahead. Then I'll ask the question. Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry to cut you. Not a problem. Um, Continue. Our answer would be pretty much the same as Andy's. We don't have formal partnerships, although we have friendly relations, which okay. is what gave birth to the session that we had two weeks ago on publishing around your PhD. Right. And this was facilitated by a very experienced uh, journal editor. And this okay. is, you're hearing from the horse's mouth, right. what kinds of things you need to take into consideration to publish. Right. So I would strongly urge you, if you go to our Facebook page, the video is free there, and you can watch it and get some tips from that. Fantastic. So there you have it, colleagues. Uh, both, actually, even including TCC Africa, we don't partner with publishers, but we work closely with them so that they can guide you on how you can improve uh, your publishing process. And if you go to our Facebook page, you'll be able to see these links. They're already live on how you can use, you can work closely with the academic publishers on how to produce good quality uh, manuscripts and work closely with them. Now there's a question from Martin, and I believe it will touch on both Andy and Titi, and this is all about mental wellness. And um, this, particular uh, researcher is saying that um, he's looking at a situation whereby PhD supervisory skills of African professors should be available both on technical and soft skills, especially when it comes to dealing with mental stress and the well-being of PhD candidates. Um, I believe this has an aspect of mentorship and also support, men, um, wellness support. So, does um, Author Aid offer this through their mentorship program? Uh, does PhD in Africa also offer this support uh, 
through its uh, mentorship program as well, so that at least supervisors can know that they have a support system that they can use also to help their PhD students. Who would like to start? Andy, please go ahead. Andy, please um, start. <laughs> um, well, yeah, this is, this is a very, very good question. Um, it's not an area that we explicitly focus on, but I know that there are mentors in our network who um, would offer support in career development. And this is probably one of the areas in which they'd be you know, very willing to help. If you find a, a really good mentor, then they should help you with all aspects of, of your career. So look, look for mentors on our website that, that looking at, who provide career mentoring. But no, this is, a, this is a really important area and I think it's an area that we, um, as an initiative, actually need to develop further and develop more resources on this. Okay, so Okay, so there are num several levels at which I want to answer this question. The first is that we do offer some support uh, it's not professional support it's more of moral support in our phd peer support forums and we have a lot of people maybe nine out of ten will come in and say you know i'm tired i'm stressed you know i'm having this issue with my supervisor so it is a big issue we do offer that kind of moral support eventually we will be looking to offer more professional kinds of counseling and also advocating that universities have well-resourced counseling and support unit. Um, but I just wanted to flag that, you know, I think we assume that because supervisors are supervising that they necessarily have the skills, but you will find that not many supervisors are actually trained on how to do supervision. And if you have a supervisor who has come out of a toxic system, chances are that they will be looking to replicate that or they, it, it's become normalized for them. So this is, we're very conscious of this issue and we are w working on addressing it at the moment on a peer basis, but eventually on a more professional level. Okay, so thank you so much, Titi. Now we've answered all the questions, both on Facebook Live and also on, uh, on, the, on the question and answer session uh, section in the webinar. So there you have it, colleagues. Doing a PhD is not easy, particularly if you do not have the support systems. Those who, have, who are funded to do their PhDs tend to be a bit fortunate because they have supporting supervisors. They've got a whole support system that can help them go from, start from the beginning to the end. But not everybody is that fortunate, especially if you're self-sponsored. And because of that, programs like um, Author Aid, uh, TCC Africa and also doing a PhD in Africa exist to help you support to help you through this this journey and of course with what with the current COVID uh, pandemic it's even it's even more frustrating mainly because it's even twice as lonely as you're going through your PhD process so what we want to share with you is that there are systems in the continent to help you systems that can help you in identifying supervisors systems that can help you identify mentors, systems that can help you in the whole research discovery process from, um, from writing your research proposal all the way to writing the academic paper, analyzing your, your research output, uh, uh, analyzing your data rather, uh, writing your academic paper, even helping you communicating it to non-scientists, and also identifying funding opportunities 
that exist. So those systems, and they are all based within the continent. So all you need to do is reach out to us. So reach out to us either on Facebook or on Twitter. You have access to our presentations, which we will share with you. But know this, we are always here to help you improve your research output, improve your research visibility. We are here to help you also with your well-being. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. All of you, thank you so much for bearing with us. Thank you so much for even staying with us even when we had the hiccups in the in the beginning all 800 of you who registered had access to the to the webinar live and we also have a recording and we will share it with you as well so that you can go through the the the, the webinar again so once again thank you so much and andy thank you so much for making time titi thank you so much for making time ziba thanks for being uh, in the background to support in case uh, to support us during the, the the webinar and with that ladies and uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you and do have a lovely day and a lovely weekend bye everyone bye. thank you bye 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 thanks for joining us on today's episode of mazam gunzo podcast be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers policymakers higher education leaders and innovators on their journeys. See you in our next episode.